Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Careful making wishes in a dark, dark, can't be so when they hit that rock and the sides in the mean, mean time. I'm just dreaming of tearing you That is hammered out to deep left field. Forget about it. Big fly from Mike Trout and the Angels have tied this one up and won. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. What is up? It is your boy Johnny Mags joined as always with... Daniel Garcia. We're back for another edition of the All Angels Podcast, uh, off-season edition. Uh, today, this morning, we have... Uh, a special guest on today, so we'll get we'll get straight to it. We have none other than the incomparable Mark Gubiza. Mark Gooby, how you doing this morning? Hey, John and Danny, what's going on, fellas? How you doing? So I want to start with you talking about your 2020 season. How different was it where Angels are home, you are, you know, broadcasting in the empty stadium, and then when they're on the road, your guys, you and Victor, are in your little compound. How how different was 2020 for you? Yeah, I mean, when you, when we first started up, it was definitely. I think it all started even with those preseason games we did with the you know the Dodgers and the, and the Padres. So it kind of got you used to it. But the first time doing the game at at, the, at home at the Angel Stadium and with no one there and. It, it felt odd, and then doing a game right away in our trailer we had in our compound was even more, you know, odd or weird, whatever way you want to put it. But after we did those games, I mean, from that point forward, it was you just kind of got into your natural mode and tried to bring as much excitement as possible to the game, and and not, you know, complain about not being, you know, not having the fans there or complain about being in, in the trailer because our job was to try to make everyone feel at ease during this very difficult time, try to bring the best broadcast possible. I mean, there was times, especially on the road, because you're used to, first of all, have an interaction with the players and, and, and Joe Madden and the coaching staff just to get little nuggets to get you prepared for the game or just being out on the field, just like a player. You're getting yourself pumped up for the game. But, that you know, that wasn't the case. But you had to find different ways to get your mind going, you know, either researching more or, you know, you're obviously doing the entire game off the monitor, which, you know, on TV side, that's what you basically do anyhow. Radio side, you know, for Terry and Mark, it was even, probably even more difficult for them to do because they're used to looking at on the field and trying to paint that picture for people listening on the radio. But on the TV side, you basically are you're seeing what's going on in the action and then try to explain why that happened. So that, that part was somewhat normal, but, you know, just relying and hoping you're making all the right decisions on you know base hits or fly balls or if that things were going to be fair because you're not there necessarily to be able to see you know the baseball going down towards the line or baseball hit is it going out of the ballpark or is it going to be a deep fly those things you know came into play on occasion but I don't think most people from all my interaction on social media didn't even realize forever that we were even not there on the row games which is 
part of the plan is make it as relaxing as normal as possible. Yeah, you know, I, you know, as Daniel and I watching the games on TV as fans, you know, uh, where we 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 know the the energy that we can bring to a game when we go to a game, you know, and uh, I think you guys did a good job this year of of kind of relaying. Uh, some sort of energy to us, you know, although there's no fans there. So my question really is, how important really is the energy from the fans? Like, did you, you know, you as a player obviously know how that feels, but as now, you know, entering, how many years have you been on the broadcast side now, you know, uh, entering, you know, this season with no fans, how important really is the energy? Is is that something that maybe we all took for granted before this season? Uh, you know, this is my 14th year of doing this, and just... You know, from the moment I drive into the stadium and, and talk to you know the people working there, which I didn't run into this year, which was it was hard because was, everyone, men and women, were so excited that the game was going to happen that day. All right, so then you walk into the stadium, you know, you get prepared, you, you watch batting practice down in the dugout, talk to the guys, and you make work your way up to you know the booth, and in that point you're interacting with fans. So you're, you're getting, I mean, for me it was great and. I don't know if you probably saw me over the years, even when I'm leaving games, interacting and talking with fans on the way out of the stadium. That okay. I, that that part really hurt this year, not doing that because you know I drew a lot of energy from them, good or bad. Because you know I felt bad when a team lost, and and then when you run into fans, how it hurt them as well. You really feel that, and and even during the course of the game, when you know there's a rally going and. You're looking and down below us, and you see the fans are across from us and on our level, the 300 level, and they're getting excited. You get excited as a person, and not seeing that, even talking to Trouty and, and a number of the players, you know, via Zoom or text, it was so hard for them not having the fans at home or even on the road because usually if you're Trouty going in the outfield and you struck out against you know a pitcher, you know, from the Astros. And you're going out there to center field. They're going to have somebody going to give you some grief that motivates you. Mm-hmm. Or if you you know had a good swing and you go out to center field, he always throws that last you know. And when he's playing catch, oh, yeah, he throws the last ball. baseball out into the stands in right center field. And right. lo and behold, he's pumped up again. So that that was really hard for players, uh, you know. And and like I said, I, I fed off a lot of good vibes from the fans going going in and out of the stadium on a consistent basis. As a fan, there was a lot of things that happened this year on the field that you know we wish the Angel fans could have been a part of whether it was, you know, Trout passing Salmon's all-time home run or, um, you know, Pujols' chase for 660. But, you know, you were there. You saw you called those moments. Which moment for you was your favorite calling uh, this season? Yeah, that's a great question, Daniel. Uh, the Trouty thing was so much fun because a lot of build-up, having Tim Salmon there obviously it was pretty cool and, and being a friend of Tim for years and years because being a teammate with him back in 97 that long ago that uh, that was fun but I, I just love the history of the game first seeing Albert tie Willie Mays on the road and, and then breaking it at home and you know because you know Albert Albert's all business he's he's up there hits a home run runs around the bases he's ready for his next at bat but that, that smile he had on his face and our <laughs> our camera guys caught that really well and the excitement for his teammates in the dugout, that was probably the coolest thing. I mean, you could put Justin up and hit his 300th home run. I mean, some of the swings that David Fletcher had, a couple pitches over his head he got hits for. Uh, you know, and Danielson Simmons doing his stuff in the field. There were so many really cool moments that I'm still, I'm still sitting back here. I'm still shocked that the Angels aren't playing in the postseason right now. You know, the way, especially the way the format of the playoffs were set up. And, and looking at some of the teams that were in the postseason, in my mind, the Angels would have 
beat a number of those teams in the postseason, but it didn't happen. You know, we can't you know dwell on that. But there were some really special moments. But I still got to go with Albert, probably just because of Willie Mays. I mean, you're you're talking about probably the best all around player in the game, and and Albert passed him by, and that was pretty cool to see that. One thing I really liked what you guys did with um, Trout passing Salmon was having him yeah. kind of in on the broadcast during mm-hmm. the at bats of uh, Trout during that time, and just you know, and you guys having fun with him, and then you you guys showed that little fist pump on that one game where mm-hmm. his last at bat, and I think that he like hilarious. he fight out or whatever. Uh, I think that was a really funny, you know, kind of. Uh, a way of showing what's going on. Uh, whose idea was it to have Salmon on the broadcast while uh, Trout was up? Yeah, we were all talking about that because you know because he was over two boots away from us, and uh, I'm looking at his reaction. So we're talking to our producer and director, going, "Hey, that'd be cool to have Fish on there just just to give a perspective of what it's like." Because anybody has played in an organization for a long period of time, when you own a record, and that's a pretty special record. That as much as you love your, you know, what's going on with. Uh, Trouty and stuff like that. It's pretty special that you have a record for that long. I mean, I had the, the strikeout record in, in, a, in a game for the Royals for a, a ton of years at 14, and then you know when I found that Zach Greinke passed it, I was like, I was bummed. He <laughs> struck out 15, and eventually I think Danny Duffy broke his record as well, and up with 16. You, you know, as much as you, you know, you love to see what players are doing. It's it's like a part of you. So you know, it was a part of Tim Salmon that. I mean, when you look back over the years, there's been some incredible names that have put on an angel uniform. I mean, incredible players from, you know, from Reggie Jackson, Frank Robinson, Bobby Bonds. I mean, so many unbelievable players. And then you've had the home run wreck, Brian Downing, and he passed him by, you know, Tim Salmon. And to have that for a long, long, long period of time, even though, you know, in this day and age, the way, you know, baseballs are flying out, you think it's got, somebody's going to pass you, but guys move on so often from team to team that records can stand for a long long time as well so I, I you always want to keep a record like that but i think because of the way mike trout is and the person he is when that happened and, and having him live on all those events was pretty cool and, and just to have his perspective and, and and because he fought every single time in the batter's box just like mike trout so it was pretty cool to see that and it was funny because after trout he had that home run he was looking up at me and i'm like <laughs> screaming over to Tim, he's trying to say something to you. And then Tim looked over at me and I said, I'm, I'm pointing down and go. And then that, that exchange was incredible, I thought, between Proud yeah. and Sam. And that was really, really cool. One of those moments that made you feel great to be a baseball fan. Yeah, so Tim Salmon, uh, I, as, as Daniel knows and the listeners here know, is my favorite baseball player of all time. From uh, The first guy that I remember his first at-bat and his last at-bat, you know. So watching uh, Trout break his record was a little heartbreaking for me, per, kind of personally, because Tim Salmon, like, no one can, like, he's my guy, you know. So well, I wore 15 in high school and college and everything, so because of Tim. But um, if you, when you look at that all-time Angels home run leader list, how, and, and it, you know, incorporating Albert Pujols in there now, how crazy is it that Albert Pujols is, up there on that Angels home run list, and that's in that period of time. I mean, when you Short think of, of time. you think of that Angel home run list, you think of guys like Brian Downing, Garrett Anderson, Tim Salmon, but Albert Pujols is up there on that all time Angels home run list. Um, so, my question to you is, uh, what do you think Albert Pujols' legacy with the Angels is going to be? How, how will Angel fans remember him? Yeah, you know, that's another great question there too, John. I, I think for me, I would love to see. Fans embrace Albert even more so because you're 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 looking right now 
you know, you, everyone's going to say, well, 10-year contract. They didn't win a World Series during that stretch. They only made the playoffs really that one year in 2014. In that year, they, by the way, they should have won the World Series, but they ran into Kansas City, and there was just some crazy things that didn't work out for them that year. But, I mean, you know, he got his 500th home run here with the Angels, 600th home run in the career. He passes Willie Mays in an Angel uniform. 3,000 hits in an Angel uniform, 2,000 RBIs now over that, 2,100 now in an Angel uniform. Phenomenal milestones. But I think if everyone realized how hard he works every day, I mean, his, you know, dealing with some of the leg issues and foot issues, that most players would have just tapped out and said, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to go on to, you know, the, at that point it was a DL, then the IL. He went out and played and worked out every day. And that, I think part of the reason why Trout's as good as he is because he watches – observes how much work that Albert puts in every single day. So I, I think in the end here, you know, whether it's one more year with Albert and, or if he gets closer to 700 home runs, I don't know how anybody can let him go. It'll be cool to see him get 700 home runs in an Angel uniform. But I think everyone's going to sit back and, and not be so upset about the length of the contract, which is still, when you look at other contracts, the other players that has been way worse than what it's turned out for, for Albert. But just to sit back and go, Man, we, we we witnessed one of the greatest players ever. You can make an argument one of the greatest right-handed hitters ever. He even if you look at his numbers and compare them from his first ten years in the major leagues to Trouty's first ten years, Albert's a little better. Yeah, that's and, and it's hard to believe yeah. that, but it, but he's better. Yeah, I, I know uh, they they shown that one time like on a split screen on the TV, and I was just you know Albert being an NL early in his career uh, and then me always kind of being an Angel fan being an AL, AL guy I just never realized that, and that was absolutely crazy to see the splits um, you know from the same age gap as Trout so now kind of going forward now the pitching obviously Angel fans uh, know the, the troubles the pitching staff had this last year how much do you think it was to do with you know you're, you're, you're building up in spring training COVID happened you shut down completely and then now you have the summer camp, and, and it's pretty quick summer camp to get back into shape. How much do you think that affected um, pitchers when it came to uh, getting back on the mound and performing at a high level? It, it was huge, but you know we also got to realize the other 29 teams were dealing with the same thing also. But I think with this particular staff, they didn't really get an opportunity to continue what they were working on in spring training with Mickey Callaway, who I think is, is a fantastic pitching coach. And, and what I saw in spring, because I was down there for – about four or five days before they closed down camps, that, man, these guys were all biting into everything you're saying. They were getting ahead of the count. They were, you know, throwing first pitch strikes. They were finishing off hitters. They weren't afraid to use their fastball. They weren't afraid to pitch to contact. And I think he was the big reason why Dylan Bundy was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He was excellent this this past season. You know, there was times where Andrew Heaney was really, really good this year. But, uh, you know, I think it comes a time now for, for this organization is – and I've, I've preached it a lot. I felt, hey, it, the right thing's got to go every, their way as far as their pitching staff. You know, Shohei Otani pitches two games. I thought with him being available, I think he was the biggest reason why, I mean, this whole, you know, abbreviated rush summer camp hurt him because he never really faced any teams. And that, lo and behold, right away you're facing the A's. And then your command goes away, you're overthrown, and then your elbow starts bothering you. I, I think it hurt him a lot. And not having him available to pitch this entire season completely changed the dynamics of the pitching staff. Uh, Jaime Brea showed some pretty good signs of throwing the ball well. I liked what I saw from him, but you know, there was, I think you have to go forward. We can't just go, 
we hope these guys do well. I think you got to address the pitching staff, and you better have, as we see now in the playoffs, you better have one guy that you can guarantee you're going to win that day. Whether you know Garrett Cole was out for the Yankees or Glass now, you know, started that game. Well, granted, he only went into the third inning. But every team you look in the postseason, for the most part, Clayton Kershaw, all those guys, you have to have an ace, and, and that has to be done and addressed this offseason by the Angels. And there's no more hope in the, you know, the five guys do well. You need somebody that sets the tone, whether that's you know a Trevor Bauer-type pitcher or not, or you make a trade or bring a Marcus Stroman in, anybody. You have to bring in a very deep, consistent staff where you don't expose your bullpen to throw so many pitches, so many innings, that it taxes them so quickly in the season, then you end up not being as good as you're supposed to be. Yeah, you know, we Daniel and I have been talking about how the Angels' rotation for a while now has always been built on promise, on hope, on 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 expectations. Like, oh, you know, this guy, if he can reach this caliber, oh, this is going to be amazing. But I think you nailed it on the head. Now we've been, you know, the time now is how how much longer are we going to bank on these guys to, you know. Uh, reach that level so with that being said is Otani are the Angels looking at Otani as the maybe number two number three guy or moving forward are they are the Angels saying all right let's see what we can get out of him yeah I mean that's you know at this time of the year obviously the way everything's going you're still really disconnected from the players and and even members of the of the you know the coaching staff and the medical staff as far as getting information about how well he's doing I don't know if that affected his swing this year. I mean, he took a, a, a lot of, quite a few steps back as far as batting this year as well. Um, he's still one of the most dynamic players we may ever see with what he can do. I thought in a 60-game schedule, and I even picked him. He, I thought he, I thought he was going to be the MVP of the American League because he was. I felt he was going to win five games and hit 12 to 15 home runs. And I'm saying, how could any player be more valuable than that? And you know, he had, he had what seven home runs. And he pitched two games, period, and he threw a total of, what, two and a third or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't turn out to be the case. If he's anywhere near what he was at 18, pitching and hitting, then then you have something that's it's phenomenal. But if you have to deal with you know the back and forth of, of like you had this season, I don't, I don't think you can, you know, count necessarily right now going into the offseason into, you know, getting ready for spring training at some point. And say, okay, he's our number two, number three, or number one guy in your staff. He'll be a supplemental guy around there, and if he's doing what he can do, well, then we are a way better team. And I anticipate him being completely healthy, and, I, and that makes this team that much better. It means you're a, a contender for the championship, not just to get to the postseason, but a championship if he's able to do what he's doing. But I don't, I don't think you can bank on him right now, saying he's our guy in a two or three spot in your rotation. Because you don't know. That's why you have to make tough decisions, uh, and it also means whoever the new GM is going to be is going to have to potentially trade a player or two that we all love to make sure you get a couple of those arms. Because pitching is absolutely mandatory to get this off season. You kind of mentioned it. If, if we get the Otani that was there during uh, his rookie year, that won him Rookie of the Year, then that's great. That that helps the Angels uh, immensely. But because of the injuries and, and kind of this whole experiment, you know, obviously Otani's kind of one of a kind. How much longer do you feel comfortable with the experiment of a two-way player and these injuries popping up compared to like, okay, if it doesn't work in the next two years, 
you know, we got to concentrate on one side or the other. How long do you think that, that leash is? I, I, I think it comes down to what, when, when they ask Shohei Otani, what do you want to do? Do you want to pitch? Do you want to hit? Do you want to do both? And if he's confident in saying, I want to do both, well, then I say he's doing both. But if he's saying, um, you know, I'm kind of leaning towards one or the other, then you go that route, I think. And, you know, that, that changes everything up. And, you know, because as a manager, you know, you were penciling in every seven days or whatever it was going to be. I, I think now that he's been in, you know, playing in, in MLB for this long now, that I think if he's ready to pitch, I think he's ready to pitch on a normal five-man rotation day. I mean, just like every other team does, where every player, every pitcher, I should say, is used to that. It's not easy all of a sudden when you go that extra day's rest or your routines change up when you come from another ball club and all of a sudden you have a six-man rotation. I think that's part of the, you know, it'll be part of the equation as well. We got to get him to be doing everything like everyone else is going to do. I know you want to get his bat in there, you know, those couple days in between starts, but whatever he's more valuable at that moment, that's where you're going to push for. And like I said, I, everything I've talked and heard from, he wants to do both still. And, and I, I still have trust in that, but you got to put together a full season and stay healthy because you're, you're forcing a club to make some t- difficult decisions as far as adding on players, whether it's a position player or a pitcher, as you wait for that phenomenon to get back into place. We saw for a number of starts and, and at-bats in 18. Yes, uh, sticking with the pitching staff, let's talk about the bullpen real quick. Uh, Daniel and I, before the season, we talked with Rhett Bollinger, MLB.com, the beat writer for the Angels. We talked with him over in spring training. We were actually all very excited with the uh, back end of the bullpen with the, you know, Middleton, Buttry, Robles. Uh, obviously, this season, I guess you can say they underachieved. Uh, what do you att- what do you attribute that to? Do you think it was like, like Daniel mentioned, was it the COVID thing? Or do you think just what wasn't clicking for the back end of that bullpen this season? Yeah, I thought that I was saying that's a three-headed monster. I mean, once the Angels have a lead in the seventh inning, it, it is over with. With those three guys, power arms, it was over. But lo and behold, they uh, you know they didn't do their job. And, you know, Ty Butcher, I think, it still has you know a hangover effect from how much he got up and through you know the year before, especially that first half where he was as good as any pitcher in all of baseball. But you know, and then Hansa Robles, twenty-three saves the year before, and then all of a sudden you look up. The velocity was down somewhat. Now, I think part of it is they, those guys didn't compete against anybody in a different uniform, really, for the, outside of those last three days. Keenan Middleton, I thought, you know, watching some of his games in spring training, even summer camp, he was throwing 97, 98, 99. His changeup looked great. Yeah. Everything looked excellent. And boom. And then you see, you know, not the results you, you'd hope for. So I think part of it was is the rushed get-ready thing. But I, I go back to a lot of other teams did the same thing, and, and yet they were there. But So I think they got to step back and look, what do I got to do to be better? Because they all have the arms, and they all have the, the, the attitude and then toughness to be in those points of the game, that seventh, eighth, and ninth inning where the game is on the line. But you got to go out there and perform. And just like a kicker in football, it's all about confidence. And when you lose confidence as a, as a reliever, Boy, every pitch you throw, because you're, the game is on the line, it's stress and you don't have confidence, things don't work out well. But Mike Myers to end up being a really big piece down in that bullpen. I was really happy to see that. And he, for me, he's taken a huge step forward as far as his yeah. progress in his career, that he should be certainly a big part of this bullpen going forward. Uh, 
do you feel that the Angels need to make any drastic changes as far as the bullpen is concerned? I know, you know, with with the three guys that we have, the potential's there, but you know, are they gonna are they do you think that they should really focus on a bullpen arm or do you think that the guys that they have now like a Myers can step in there and these three guys can bounce back next season? I think every club generally will do some, you know, messing around with their bullpens and adding guys. Uh, so that's definitely something they have to do. And, you know, Justin Anderson could be back at some point next year. I love his arm. I've always have. You know, he had the Tommy John surgery. I don't know when that allows him to get back in competing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there, there's going to have to be arms. I, like I said, pitching is going to be the important thing. you got to add starting pitching. you got to add another couple, maybe an arm or two. Down in your book, down in your bullpen. Bookter, I thought was going to be a big piece. That didn't work out. I don't know if that had to do with the COVID situation as well, the summer camp scenario. Why he didn't perform is kind of shocking because he's put up some really good numbers in his career. Ends up, you know, ended up with the Yankees at the end of the year. But uh, there was there's some things you have to work out. Guys have to go out there and and their work ethic is always good. From what I could see, from where I have that third level in the booth, I'm out there down there on the field like I normally would be and having a conversation with these guys. But um, I think it's there, but I still think you can't wait and hope for potential to you know blossom. I think you got to think about winning. You can't allow another postseason where you don't have trout playing. I'm, I'm, that's bottom line. You can't have another offseason. Baseball can, and Angel fans don't deserve not seeing him in the postseason because. Guys like him, if you see him perform like Acuna has done with the Braves or Bellinger making that play over the wall, you know, guys that are, you know, stars go to that next level because now it's it's at a moment where other people are watching games, not just our our fan base, but the rest of the country seeing how great Trout is. He needs to be in that games. He needs to be in those games, and he needs to be in the World Series. So you have to do, you know, drastic things to make sure that happens, and it might be painful for all of us with some of our guys that we we really like and love wearing an Angel uniform. If that means they're going to be moved on or asked to do something a little bit more or different for the team, anything that needs to be done to win has to be done. Yeah, I think I we agree with you completely. You know, the drought that the playoff drought looked really fun. Like the Padres finished their or got into the. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. 
now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The playoffs for the first time in, in, you know, many years, and to see that kind of community rally behind it, you're like, you you want that for your, your team, too, so uh, definitely really hoping <clears throat> for the Angels to make some moves this offseason and bringing in uh, arms, but 
one thing I've always said too is is bullpen arms seem to be more tricky as far as scouting and and and, and projecting to the next next year. Like you got a guy like Mike Myers where kind of came out of nowhere and, and did really well. And the same thing with Robles. Robles got, you know, I believe DFA'd by the Mets, and then he gets brought into the Angels and, and shuts it down for that year. What makes it so difficult to project uh, bullpen arms, especially in the major leagues? Yeah, you know, I think part of it is is the ups and downs, but even before you get in the game. So there's a lot of throwing. Uh, so, and like I said, it goes back to confidence in – most relievers were starters at one point, and most of them fell as starters, so then they moved down the bullpen. There is some now you're seeing a lot more in, in the collegiate level that were closers in college and then end up being closers in the major leagues and the minor leagues as well. Um, it's, I think it, I really firmly believe it goes down to confidence. Cause, and then I, and a lot of times, too, we got so caught up, and I know the Angels and their pitchers got so caught up in the – Swing and miss percentages and, and non-contact, and if, if guy a guy puts the ball in play against you, it's it's pure luck when it's an out. Well, you know what? That's why you have some of the greatest players in the world playing in the infield. You have Rendon and, and Simmons on the left side of the infield. Right. Why would you worry about contact? Mm-hmm. Those guys are going to catch everything. And Fletcher at second base. I mean, and Albert still did a good enough job. And Walsh is an incredible fielding yeah. first baseman. Right. Right. That if you if you get contact, it's an out. And, and that's your job is to get outs, so whether it's a strikeout or an out in, on the ground or in the air. So I, I, I think we're going to see that and that evolution going forward that it's okay if somebody puts the ball in play because, you know, you just make a play. And then, then all of a sudden it's not you're lucky that somebody made a play behind you because the, the game has been built around incredible players playing behind you making plays. And the game's better when the ball is put in play anyhow, in my opinion. Right. But. Yeah, I do like you know the ability to see somebody throw 101 miles an hour, get a strikeout or a nasty break a ball. Yes, but you know, an out and out, and that's what I think you're going to see going forward. And sometimes, especially out of the bullpen, you're kind of rated on how many swing and misses and strikeouts you get, and that's that's an unfortunate time because it forces those guys to throw, try to throw even harder, yeah, and falling behind 1-0, 2-1. I don't care how hard you throw. A hitter is going to put that ball and play on a fastball when they're looking in, in the right. place in the strike zone against you. Uh, one of the most easiest and simplest advice I ever got was when I pitched in college, and my and my pitching coach told me, "Pitch to your defense." And at the time, like I didn't know what that meant, but as I as I'm older now and I look at it, I look at games more. You know, I don't know, I, I analyze it more. I realize how important, how simple that. Like if you simplify that you get results. Um, one guy who, I, I mean, it just drives me insane because he's got such great stuff and it happens to him a lot is a guy like Andrew Heaney where I feel like he gets too cute sometimes with what he's doing up there when he gets ahead of the count, 0-2, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's in a 3-2 count and maybe walks the guy or something. Um, where do you think, I mean, obviously you were talking about how the percentages, swing-miss percentages and stuff. Like, why, why, why has that become so important now with baseball? Is it just the analytics side of things or... Or when, when did that change, in your opinion? Yeah, but that's a huge part of it, the analytic part, because, like I said, they, they base a lot of outs, you know, with with the luck factor, you know, fielding independent baseball, pitching, I should say, FIP. I mean, you're, they're basically saying, okay, and I always ask 
people around baseball, would you would you would you have drafted me now in this day and age? You're like, well, yeah, yeah, you had a great career. I said, no, you're not answering the question because I was a ground ball pitcher. So in other words, I was lucky to get an out in their opinion. A lot of executives' opinion that I was lucky to get an out. Well, if I'm going to throw in a baseball on the handle of the bat or towards the end of the bat, and it's soft contact and it's a ground ball, I'm doing my job. Right. Uh, I'm not going to get a huge percentage of swing and miss unless I got myself in a situation where I could throw my slider. Right. You know, when you're a sinker ball pitcher, you look at Dustin May, how good a stuff he has for the Dodgers. He doesn't get a lot of swing and miss. He doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but he gets outs. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Right? That's all that really matters. Results. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I love and I've embraced the whole new world of analytics, and I think there's a lot of really cool stuff with it. And I wish I would have knew some of this stuff when I was playing instead of just, you know, go out there and compete. And that's basically the day I was always told. Right. And I said, well, that was good enough for me. But if I would have had some of this information when I was playing, I might have been better. You know, so or I might have been the same or I might have been worse. I don't know. But at least I would have loved to have had some of the information these, these, these guys have now, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher. But that being said, you'd never take away the human element. Where that day in which you think, you know, I got to get swing and misses, I don't feel as good, or maybe I'm having an issue at home or anything, that you're not going to get necessarily all the swing and misses. So you got to find out a way to get it out. And, you know, going back to Andrew Heaney, I think his stuff is excellent. There's no reason why he shouldn't have an ERA in the low threes every year of the rest of his career. But I think if he just, just realizes how good his stuff is, that it's not overly important to get a strikeout every time, although he's, he piled up some strikeouts again this year, and over the last couple of years he has as far as strikeouts per innings pitched, that get me a, see how many – I used to have a game I played with my you – know, I did with myself, and also as, as a coach in high school, I would get my kids to go, hey, how many outs can you get with one or two pitches? And it, it, it's funny how – because then your brains get going, the wheels get going, the motion right. – where you think, oh, that's a pretty cool thing. Let me see how many outs I can get with one or two pitches. And, that's and if you do important. that, it, yeah. yeah, and then you save your best stuff. Because, you know, you look at Griffin Canning, who's got – he threw the ball well at times himself. How many times he throws all his arsenal in the first inning? Same thing with Andrew Heaney. Jack Morris and, and Dave Stewart, I know I'm going back in the day, <laughs> they didn't show you – or even Verlander, for that matter, forever, didn't show his best stuff until that fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth and ninth innings. Because he just got you out as, as quick as possible, preserved that out pitch that you need with a guy in scoring position, a man on third in a 1-1 game or a one nothing game or a 2-1. Because if you if you have already shown the hitters in the dugout or in the on-deck circle in the first inning all your pitches, exactly how you're going to try to get them out, then what do you have to do the rest of the way? That's why you see so many pitchers only going mm-hmm. two times, barely three times through a lineup because you've already shown all your pitches that very first time through, and there's no surprise element. Even though they know all the, the stuff you you know, you know throw, but that day you, your fastball could be moving different, your breaker ball could have a little dip, different depth on the break, same thing with your changeup, this and that, that don't ever give away all your pitches in that very first inning because if, you, if, you, if you've done that, the hitters have an advantage on the rest of the game. And that makes total sense, too, when you put it that way. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I know actually me never really playing – baseball at a high level like you know johnny I, that makes total sense but i never really thought about it but that that's great so gooby i want to i want to thank you again for spending time last yep. question i want to put out there all the rule changes that happened this year partly because of covid and some of them were already kind of in play prior to the shutdown um 
I'm talking, you know, Universal DH, uh, the second, second runner, yeah, second. the Ghost Runner, the the seven inning double header. I know the Angels had one of those. Um, what kind of rules would did you like this year, and and maybe um, continue uh, moving forward? I think two that I, I'm definitely 100 percent in favor. Definitely the Universal DH, definitely 100 percent behind that. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm, I didn't mind a three batter minimum for relievers coming in the game, you know, because it's forced more so, I, you know, the, this season is a little bit different as far as that. It's harder to, to judge it, but I think it's going to force managers to leave a starting pitcher in a little bit later mm-hmm. than, than pulling the plug quickly. Uh, so I do like that. You know, the runner at second to start an in, in extra inning game, no, I don't like that. I mean, it was cool, and I understand why. And there were some fun things about it, but I, I can't jump necessarily on board. I didn't hate it as much as I thought I was going to. So if it happened, I'd be all right. I don't love it. Um, Sevening doubleheader, that's the one thing I, I sit back and even have been talking with, with my son about that. We all did it in, in minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not something that nobody's ever seen before. Uh, you know, but I always think of the history of the game that you're taking away a, a bat from a, a Mike Trout or an Albert Pujols or a, Ronald Acuna or Tatis Jr. potentially, so that maybe even two at bats, I should say, for the doubleheader. So that part, I, 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 I just don't like. I think it, it, if, in a seven-inning game like that, it really the energy level is pretty cool because managers make decisions quicker. They, they they might run more. They might take a guy out of the game quicker. They might put a defensive replacement earlier than normal. So those things, I think more of a strategy thing, seven-inning doubleheaders make it more interesting for us and I think even for fans. But I still like getting an opportunity to see when those guys get one more at-bat rather than taking that at-bat away from them. Yeah, but the, the, the weird thing with the ghost runner on second, too, is a guy can be pitching a perfect game and lose the game. How How yeah. does that – that's so weird to me that a guy can get all the outs in a game and, and, and not get – you know, still pitch a perfect game and lose. That's wild in my and I can't. Oh, so you heard me talk about that during the game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. did that. Yeah, because I, I, I thought about that. I said, how awful would you yeah. feel if you have a perfect game going? They start a guy at second. You get a ground out, a fly out, and a ground out, or whatever, or a strikeout, and that guy comes around to score, and you lose the game. It's not an earned run, but you lose on a perfect game. Now, how do you, how do you ever, when you look back at on that on the in the history books? Somebody will go, well, how do you lose a game with a perfect game? Because a perfect game means there's been no runners on base, period. And you did Yet your you job lose. perfectly. Right. Yeah. You did everything yeah. right. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, they were, they were pretty fortunate that never happened because right. that would have been crazy. One thing, I, know, I, so. one thing I thought about with that ghost runner, and, and tell me if you like the idea or not. Obviously, you understand why they did it this year in the starting in the 10th inning. But I, I obviously, you've done games where you're into the 17th, 18th, 19th inning. Um, what do you feel about if they tweaked it a little bit and maybe started it, you know, in the 13th inning so you don't have those marathons, but you still kind of give the the opportunity to win it in a normal way, you know, the 10th, 11th, and 12th inning? I mean, that's always, you know, this year was the one year where you can experiment and try anything. Sure. And going forward, you know what? If I was, if it got beyond that certain inning, if you say, okay, if it goes beyond the thirteenth or fourteenth inning, this is what we're going to do because we don't want a twenty inning game. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that's you know what, 
you should have scored anyhow before then. I mean, there was a lot of games this year. Even when that ghost runner at second, I'm looking up. I go, he's still at second with three outs. How in the world is that possible? But you know, it comes down to we're trying to hit a home run or whatever it was going to be. Uh, you know, instead of like guys is even trying to hit a ball the right side of the infield. I, I know there was some good defensive plays too. I remember seeing, you know, Matt Olson making a play at first base. That was the thought process hit a ground ball that way. But he was already making in his mind, I'm going to make a throw to third. But if we go back to that one game against the Angels, that that wasn't a good secondary lead and that wasn't a good jump. So yeah. it forces you to, to work on those things. And they were working on that a lot in summer camp. Yet once the actual game started. The Angels didn't do a good job with that at all. No. And all the preparation was there, but but that's why those those practice games amongst each other in summer camp really as much as you like to think helped, they really didn't because you're not you're facing your buddies and everything's different when you're facing somebody with a different color uniform. And that's what I always thought once you had a different color uniform than me, I didn't like you. And <laughs> and that's what it's, that's the mindset has to be. But when you're facing the guy, you know, guys with your with your buddies and your teammates, you just don't have that quite that same a that edge going. So, you know, there were some things to do. But like I said, everyone did the same thing. So some teams executed, some teams didn't do a good job with that. But I, you know, no one wants to see an 18 or 20 inning game. I remember we had that one game. We were joking around. We were wearing those those masks. We were in. <laughs> Fenway Park at 2.30, whatever in the morning, and Bobby Abreu got the hit to win yes. the game. I mean, you don't want those games. I mean, we all love baseball. We're all fans of baseball, but I don't think anybody's a huge fan of a 19-inning game. I just don't think no. not many people are. No. So, I mean, because you invested a lot of time watching the baseball game to see who's going to win, watching 19 innings. So, yeah, I think, you know, I still believe, and they should do this, a pitch clock, I still am a firm believer in that because I, I work quickly – because I didn't want to think on the mound. That's the one thing I didn't want to do is I didn't want to think. Because the more I was trying to think about what I needed to do, the worse I was going to be. So 20-second pitch clock, something like that, would be, I think, advantageous for the game. I and totally I think agree. there were some pretty cool things that happened this year as far as little you know rule changes. I think overall, in the end, it's going to make for a better game. I mean, there's, I mean, you look at the White Sox and you look at the Padres this past season. I, you know, and I... I definitely do not have a problem with anybody doing a bat flip. I have no problem with somebody on the mound fist pumping when he get you out. I didn't have a problem with Garrett Cole screaming at the dugout of the Rays last night <laughs> in the first inning. I mean, that's the way I played. I love energy. I love yeah. passion. Intensity. And if you have a problem with it, don't give up the home run or don't yeah. strike out, exactly. in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's always been our kind of like, hey, you gave up that, you know, Fastball down the middle. Yeah, what, did you, what did you want him to do? Don't throw a hanger. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, Mark, again, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, I know we know that this is the time of the season where you really enjoy with the holidays. So, um, you know, happy holidays to you and your family. And yes. we're looking forward to the uh, maybe some decorational pics on your, Insta- on your uh, Instagram and your Twitter coming up. And obviously Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up. You got it, guys. I really appreciate it. Johnny Daniel. appreciate it, man. And I'm sure we'll be talking at some point here when the GM is hired. And, and uh, I would imagine it's going to be an odd offseason. I don't, I don't really know 100% if they're, what they're doing as far as the winter meetings, but I know they're going to do something where everyone realizes that they're maybe a player or two away from winning a championship. Right. I mean, it, you know, both teams that I still I picked going into the, even before the start of the postseason, I thought we're going into the World Series. It was going to be the Rays and Dodgers now. And now they're on that collision course because they both have depth and the Dodgers have more talent than the Rays, but the Rays match up 
the Dodgers as far as overall depth. And I, I thought the Padres, you know, if Bellinger doesn't make that play, that, that's a whole yeah. different series. Yeah. And the Dodgers haven't faced, you know, a healthy pitching staff either. So the Braves and, and the Dodgers are going to be a fun series. Anytime the Astros are involved in any playoff <laughs> series, everyone's going to be rooting against yeah. them. That's the funny thing about it. And that was the cool thing about this whole last round of playoffs, guys. All those teams didn't like each other. The Rays and, and the Yankees yep. hated each other. Right. The A's and Astros hated each other. You could tell the Padres and Dodgers did, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And anytime Acuna and anybody on the mound for the Marlins, they hate each other. So I love I love that. That's what I've always believed in in sports. you got to dislike your opponent. You respect them after the game, respect them before the game, but once you're playing – you you got to dislike them yep, and, and, that, and try to do whatever you can to beat them. And that much more in the playoffs, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, All right, Mark. Thank you very much again um, for chatting, and have a great day. You might not be able to get to the game at all this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going to extra mile to make sure you can get on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Our partners at Manscaped are forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology that helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor that powers a 360-degree rotor dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled out your nose hair with your fingers? That might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum comfort while providing hygiene. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's right. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. And we are back. Thank you to our sponsors again for helping us uh, make this possible. Uh, go check them out on, uh, you know, on their sites. I uh, also want to give a quick shout out to Archangel Pins at Archangel Pins on Instagram. Uh, they got some really cool stickers. Uh, obviously, their lapel pins, uh, just top notch, man. You know, we have, I have some here in the uh, studio up on my pin board and in the stickers. Um, I saw Dan put put him on his uh, flask. Yeah, and they look really cool on your flask. Hydro flask. Not, yeah, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not, not a, a whiskey flask. Yeah, no, come I'm, on, man. Come on. I'm, no, not, not, don't let people think I'm alcoholic around <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, my bad. Hydro flask. <laughs> yeah. Hydro flask. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so yeah, check them out. They got some really cool stickers: Rendon, Pujol, Sotani, uh, Trout. Trout, and I know he's going to be working on some. Uh, hopefully, this off season. Uh, the we, new signees, hopefully, right, has right. some guys. Hopefully, some uh, some pitching, maybe maybe a Trevor Bauer sticker. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. But yeah, thank you to our sponsors again. And um, uh, yeah, man, we had a great interview. That was with, fun, with Mark Gubiza. And it's funny though too because he was talking about some things. You know, Gooby's always so positive. Obviously, you listen to him talk on TV. He's always so positive, and to hear the kind of frustration in his voice when talking about this is the time they need to go yeah. get pitching. Right. This is the time where you can't rely on, well, if this guy does this, yeah, like to hear that kind of frustration in his voice shows, I think, um, how, how much the angels, you know, whoever the GM is going to be needs to go out there and get a, like you mentioned, a Bauer or Stroman or anything like that. Right. So for him to be the kind of like that, it's like, wow, you know, this needs to really change. And what I really liked what he touched on was, Hey, if this means that we need to get rid of some guys that we all love, then happens. That means that this is important. And Mike Trout being in the playoffs is important for baseball. How dude, uh, for the longest time there, Everyone talked about how the greatest player in baseball never made the World Series is Barry Bonds. And right. he finally made it. Never won one. But how important was it for him to be? Look at that series he had against say, the Angels. Yeah, and it's not like Nuts. they lost because of him. No. Like He had a great series. But, so. but he showcased right. what he's been doing to the world at the, on the grandest stage. And that's what Mike Trout needs to be. Mike Trout needs to be where Bellinger was the other night. Just like, just like Gooby said. So... Uh, it's a great interview. It's always fun to have him, and and also you know when Victor comes on, it's always just really easy. We're talking about how right. how it's just having a great conversation with a great baseball mind, and it was it was a lot of fun. Right, and it's funny too because he has that perspective of not only the baseball now, but a great baseball mind from like you know when he played right. and when and he grew when he up. Watched, so, yeah, so like he's he's dropping names. Like yeah, they might be older names, but they're great examples of right. what you know needs to happen or uh, type of players that you type of way of playing a game this yeah. game so yeah it's always fun having mark on and he's always been super generous and, and honestly real easy to get a hold of when hey yeah. you know can we talk this weekend he's like yeah no problems like all right and i think that has a lot to do with the relationship we've built with him i think every time it's it's crazy that i feel like he knows who we are you know because right. and that it speaks to who he is like you know oh yeah i remember you know right. it's it's an awesome it's well, awesome yeah, it's, it's also cool too to see him when uh, we didn't do it this year because of the covid thing but right. seeing him at the ballpark or even always having and, a chit chat in, with in him. years past yeah. see him at temp in tempe for spring training right. and stuff like that so that's it's always fun to talk to those guys yeah um on here and then you know obviously in person also yeah absolutely so uh with that being said man that's gonna wrap up this show again guys uh Thank you guys for listening. I know it's the off season and as soon as 
something happens, you know that we'll be here to right. to, to report on it and, and try to get you know the best interviews we can. You know, maybe you know maybe we get on a Victor or a Jose or maybe even Rhett. You know, Rhett the uh, the third member, fourth member of our of our show. Yeah, I guess Chris has worked <laughs> his way back into, but Chris is going to have to make some off season appearances if he wants to continue it. He right. can't show up for the season yeah, and be like, so. "All right, I'm out." And the people love him for some reason. I don't know why you guys uh, show him so much love. And he always uh, disses us. He big times <laughs> us now. Chris, uh, Chris, uh, obviously this year we were working on the uh, visual side of things, and he did a great job of uh, there towards the end, kind of incorporating the Facebook right. Live and all that stuff. So we'll we'll try to get into that. Hopefully next year we'll we'll have a better like kind of rhythm with that and hopefully it's a full year too yeah yeah <laughs> and hopefully we can have a more consistent kind of like uh platform to do the visual right. side of it yeah exactly uh, but yeah that. guys the off season's always kind of weird but we try to do our best to kind of provide you guys with some kind type of interview some type of content that you know necess- it'll give you your, your angels baseball fix and that's what we're here for so um thank you for your continued support you guys have any questions comments or concerns for the show again you, get, you guys can always email us at all angels podcast at gmail.com social media uh, twitter and uh instagram or halo underscore haven and uh yeah man just just reach out whenever you guys want to have a comment or question for the show um and uh got something coming up or actually our our uh final tally again for the tiger sky foundation was at 523 dollars mm-hmm. um so we look for us on our social media maybe dropping some pictures uh Handing the donation over to yeah, to, so to that's going to be you know depending on when you're listening to this, yeah. it might have already happened or it's going to happen, but right. um, yeah, so definitely check us out on our social media feed and, and we'll try to do something there with with the donation and all that stuff. But that was that was a lot of fun this yes. year at, to to kind of um, uh, track it and watch it grow. So definitely look out for something like that on our social media, um, Halo underscore Haven, like Johnny said. Awesome. So with that being said, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, just. Stay subscribed. Stay uh, alert on your phone whenever we drop something. I am Johnny Banks. I am Dan Garcia. You listen to another edition of the All Angels Podcast.